Well, it was only four weeks ago. It was Saturday morning, 1.30 in the morning when all people should be asleep. And there was a massive bang out the front of our house. Lots of smoke, fire, and the electrical mains had blown up. Um, what, was, what wasn't already dark in our house got a lot darker. Um, the fridges stopped working, the hot water system stopped working, everything ceased to operate. Everything that was in our house that looked like it should function could not. Products that were created for a purpose, the light bulb to emit light, the fridge to keep product cool, the washing machines to clean, they couldn't function. As they were created, they needed connection to the mains. What do you call a fridge without a proper connection? This isn't a dad joke. It's just a really awkward cupboard, and it just smells funny. Um, not being able to function, it might as well be discarded. It's useless. Detached from the source of life, all these created items are not fit for purpose. A fridge without its connection is as useful in the wilderness as it is in that wall cavity in your kitchen. What it's connected to really matters. Today, as we read John's Gospel account, we get a vivid picture of what it actually looks like for humanity to function as they should. Humanity that were created in the image of God. And that what it looks like for them to come alive and flourish in this world and for all eternity. But first, who is John? John is the son of Zebedee. He is an apostle. He is a disciple of the Lord Jesus. John writes of his eyewitness account to communicate that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the one that God's people were waiting for. He is the one that would establish his kingdom forever and the whole world was going to be invited in. John is writing to communicate that life can only be found in the Son and he calls on his hearers to respond. After being rejected by his own people, Jesus turns his attention to a new Messianic community. This new community would begin with the 11 disciples that were in front of him. Judas had already left the building. In this upper room discourse, Jesus continues to teach the disciples of what the new covenant involves. Our passage today is located as Jesus continues to answer the disciples' questions about his imminent departure from this world. We're in Jerusalem. It's on the eve of the Passover. Jesus is heading towards the cross as our Passover lamb. Jesus has explained that there will be a delay before his kingdom is fully brought in and what his departure would achieve. Jesus must die, be raised again to the Father's side for the helper to come, the Holy Spirit. It's a helper that will empower his people. The helper will teach the disciples all things pertaining to the Messiah. And the world is going to meet the Lord Jesus through this apostolic word by the Spirit. And Jesus now explains how and why this good news is going to go out. So read along with me. We're in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Well, Jesus continues to make profound statements regarding who he is and why he has come. This is the last of seven I am statements as Jesus uses God's name 
And this is the name God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, as Moses is commissioned to speak to the Israelites about God's rescue plan from Egypt into the promised land. So using God's name, Jesus says, I am the true vine. As with many metaphors, we need to go back to the Old Testament to understand what Jesus is talking about. And it's about his fulfilment of the Old Testament revelation of God. God's chosen people are regularly referred to as the vine. Psalm 80, which we read um, earlier, Isaiah 5, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. God has brought a vine out of Egypt. God, through his servant Moses, has rescued his people from slavery through the wilderness into the land promised. God has done everything to enable this vine to flourish in the land as his people. The vine was to flourish and bring hope to the nations as a life-giving community. It is beautiful. And we saw glimpses of this kingdom under King Solomon, didn't we? The nations were blessed. We saw much abundance. And yet even he failed to produce the fruit of righteousness. Israel failed to be the life-giving plant they were called to be. They didn't produce the fruit they were meant to. When God came looking for fruit, and the fruit was of justice and righteousness, all he found was bloodshed and outcry. Israel failed to live in right relationship with God and in right living as his people. God thus speaks of destruction of this fruitless and faithless nation that continued to reject him. And this was called out in Ezekiel. The fruitlessness of Jerusalem, back in around 600 BC, he communicates that they are under judgment because they fail to live um, as God intended. And now in 33 AD, the fruitlessness of Israel remains under God's judgment. They are still not producing the right fruit. But God is doing something about this fruitless nation. Jesus is claiming to be the true vine and is the fulfilment in his own person of all Israel were meant to be. He is the life-giving plant. God the Father in these verses is described as the vine dresser, cutting and pruning the branches. Branches that are not producing the right fruit are removed and destroyed, such that the entire vine is healthy. This is a real warning to Israel as Jesus teaches. Israel had not been producing the fruit and were facing being cut off. The sacrificial system, works of the law, are coming to an end. The old covenant was being fulfilled in the God-man that was before them. Jesus, who had described himself as the temple, was about to be sacrificed himself, bringing in a new covenant, a better covenant. God's chosen people, Israel, could be in the vine and bear good fruit if they just listen to the words of Jesus. Israel, who rejects the words of Jesus the Messiah, they will be cut off. To reject Jesus means having no part in the vine. There is imagery of removal and destruction. The vine dresser is also pruning in order that the branches may bear more fruit. God is the caretaker and sovereign over all is working now on his people in his love and in his mercy, in his grace, that we would be the people that we are saved to be. Brothers and sisters, these words of Jesus bring such good news to us. 
Like the disciples that were in front of Jesus, as God's people, we're branches that are attached to the vine. We are in the very purposes and plans of God to bear fruit. It's amazing. And this is fruit that lasts. Growing us to bear fruit requires much pruning. God, in his purposes and plans, is pruning his people in order that we will flourish. What's this pruning look like? Well, things are going to change. Our priorities are going to change. Could be changes in jobs, where we live. We've just farewelled the Dormans and the Peters. It could be what we are studying, what we do with our time, what we do with our money, the relationships that we pursue. It may be uncomfortable, it may be painful, but God in his loving purposes works for our good that we'll be even more fruitful for the kingdom. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus is speaking of his word that communicates his mission to the cross. This is the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. It's the word that speaks of supreme sacrifice and it will wash and clean once for all. What words of incredible comfort to his disciples. Jesus' word cleansing his people that they would be declared pure and righteous. We can be so thankful that this same word cleanses us today. Verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Abide in me and I in you. Jesus speaks of a union. It's being joined. It's a picture of a branch connected to the vine, receiving everything it needs for its nourishment and to flourish. All the necessary goodness flows into the branch. The branch is in its proper location. And this is in a stark contrast to Israel that had been shown to be a totally useless vine. Jesus presents himself as a much better vine and any branch that is connected to it will bear fruit. Jesus is teaching that as the true vine, life itself can only found, be found abiding in him. To be living and bearing fruit is to be attached to him. To be apart from the branch is hopeless, for no branch has life in itself. Look at verses 5 and 6 carefully. The language is binary. There is life one way, that being attached to the vine, and there is certain death and destruction apart from the vine. For the religious leaders in Jesus' day, life as a fruitless vine was trying to flourish through works of the law. But they were proud. They were self-righteous. For the nation of Israel, it was trying to flourish by looking like the nations around them. Instead of trusting in God and obedience to him, they worshipped false gods and they committed mindless acts of worship and sacrifice. Injustice filled the land. Their hearts were far from God. Well, today, here in the eastern suburbs, many try to flourish apart from the vine. Turning from God, we worship the things of the world. We look for satisfaction in something else. 
instead of plugging into the word, we actually plug into anything else. Silicon Valley. We medicate through hours of endless feeds. We pursue happiness and contentment apart from God. And this can look like through money, relationship, comfort, popularity. The list goes on. Um, let me demonstrate. I've got a beautiful protea flower here that's just about to be in full bloom. And this has been humanity's problem ever since the beginning. We have disobeyed God, we've rejected him as our king, and we've broken relationship. How can a holy God be in relationship with an unholy people? It just It's not compatible. So we are cut off. I'll just hold him up there. Um, do you see the massive problem that we've got here? We are the branch that is meant to be part of the vine, and when we are a part of the vine, we are going to flourish. But apart from that, cut off, we're dead. And the Bible says we're dead in our sins. Now, we might look good for a while. This, this flower still looks okay, and we put it in some water, and it might go on for a couple of weeks. But we're dead. We cannot grow. We cannot bear fruit for the kingdom. Um, the branches is apart from the vine. We try and saturate it. We put this in water. We saturate ourselves with money, with relationship, trying to flourish apart from how we were created. It just won't work. You can see the problem. We cannot get reconnected to the vine through being good, through being better. It just doesn't work. It is futile and hopeless without God. We cannot bear fruit. Jesus is being so explicit here. Apart from the vine, one's life is utterly fruitless. We cannot bear fruit for the kingdom. This world is passing away. It's a world that's under curse and judgment for rejecting God. And we continue to reject our creator today. So it's good to stop and pause right here and consider the question, are you attached to the vine? Are you living in right relationship with the living God in Christ, bearing fruit for the forever kingdom? Or are you trying to make life work apart from him? Jesus in these very verses is revealing where life can be found. If you are here today and still exploring who Jesus is, please consider these words of life. Verse 5 is also a tremendous promise to the disciples. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. It's a promise. As we sit here in our chairs at Maroubra today, consider the word of the apostles that has gone out and produced much fruit. The gospel of Jesus was proclaimed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then went out to the ends of the earth. This very day, the same apostolic word continues to go forth into the world and produce fruit. It's awesome. But we also need to take the warning seriously. We need to abide in the vine, lest we try and flourish apart from him. Our confidence is to be in Christ and not in another. And we've just been looking that through the term in Hebrews, haven't we? Where do we hold fast? We hold fast our confidence to the Lord Jesus alone. Well, there's been a lot of talk about fruit, but what does fruit bearing involve? So let's turn to verse 7 and see what John records. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish 
and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's be clear about what this is not saying. This is not saying, I'm going to pray to God that he's going to give me two massive houses at Point Piper with a 19-car garage, and it will be done for me. That is not what the passage is saying. How are the disciples to bear fruit abiding in the vine? Verse 7 is clear what it means to abide. Abiding is through the word of God and prayer. Because we are in his word, what we wish and ask in Jesus' name is according to the word of Jesus. Feeding on God's word transforms our minds, it transforms our hearts, that we might love the things that God loves. It is in his word that we can determine his will, and our prayers will be shaped by that word. God works through the prayers of his people to achieve his purposes, and it's all for his glory. The fruit that is born from our union with Christ by faith is central to how Jesus brings glory to the Father. So friends, the branch that is bearing fruit is the person who is in the word of God and prayer. The fruit will come. But where do we meet Jesus that we might abide? It's in his word. We're doing this right now. We meet as church to meet the Lord Jesus in his word to grow. His word has been recorded and preserved. It's alive. It's active. Jesus' word is who he is. It's a word that is unchangingly active. It is the word that expresses exactly who he is and it accomplishes perfectly his will. It is a word that will achieve and bring judgment on those who will not listen and it is a word that brings eternal life to those who will. Brothers and sisters, would you describe yourself as a person of the word and prayer? Are you seeking to daily be in the word? Does the word have an integral part of your habits? How else will we know God's will and pray accordingly if we aren't listening to him? Well, I am regularly encouraged by friends in our midst that feed on God's word in many various ways. Um, Victor's reminded us of it earlier in this uh, meeting about the daily Bible reading. What a great way to be in the Word together and to start our conversations. But there's friends in our mix who've got Bible on their audio. They listen to, listen to it as they're driving. They listen to it in the lounge room. Um, people are listening to sermons and podcasts. They're in the Word. I love it when I'm walking along Maruba and on the headlands and I see people sitting on the Wild Street, people sitting on the headland with the Bible open, reading it together and praying. What a wonderful encouragement. Um, The true vine and the fruit on display. Let's go to verses 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The source of the fruit comes from God himself and the love that exists in eternity between God the Father, God the Son and the Spirit. Back in chapter 5, John writes, the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is doing. The love between the Father and the Son is displayed in revelation. It's making things known. And now look down to verse 15. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. In these verses, Jesus is revealing all that he is doing, showing his disciples everything. It is intimate, it's family talk. The disciples are in the family. They're no longer on the outside, they are in the inner circle. All that the Father is doing has been revealed to them. And Jesus is the focal point of that divine revelation. He's giving life to whom he will. He's come to make the unclean clean. And this revelation comes to all who receive the apostolic word. Just as Jesus is perfectly obedient to his Father in reception to the love that the Father has for the Son, he's doing what pleases him. As we abide in his love, we will want to live by God's rules, determining all that is good and acceptable and perfect. Our obedience to Jesus is a demonstration of the reality of that love. Doing all that is commanded is not what makes us friends. Rather, it characterises those that are in Christ. Those that abide in Jesus' love are part of the everlasting fruit bearing work and it provides the context of our joy. There will be tough times following Jesus. Suffering is real. But in the tough times of following Jesus, through suffering, hardship and persecution, we have real joy because we are part of the eternal fruit-bearing work. Jesus is about to warn his disciples that persecution is coming. For the world has hated the truth. But the good news is Jesus has overcome the world. Real joy will only ever be found in relationship with our Creator, in loving obedience to Him. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, that all that... For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. The fruit that is on display as we abide in the vine is that of selfless love for one another. It's putting others first and it's pointing them to our King and Saviour. Jesus has demonstrated through his life what flourishing as the true Son looks like. In perfect loving relationship with his Father, Jesus is the servant King that washes his disciples' feet back in chapter 13. Jesus is the servant king that cleans those that are unclean. The fruit on display is costly, it's personal, and it's seen supremely at the cross where the righteous one dies in order to make dead branches like this come back alive again, grafting us back into the vine. Bearing fruit in the world... Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The disciples were chosen that they would bear fruit in the world. The apostolic word, the words of Jesus, was to go forth and make new disciples. The word, the, the word was to go to the world in order that other branches would be grafted into the vine. 
finding life in Jesus. This is the fruit that will remain, for this is the fruit of the kingdom that will have no end. The disciples will look to the world and see that there are so many sheep out there without a shepherd. There are many that live in darkness that are far from God and to bring them the good news because the word alone can bring life. Friends, our God is in the business of bringing in branches, grafting them into the vine. Jesus has come as the true vine, a blessing to the world, and God is uniting all things in heaven and earth through this vine. It's a universal plan squared centrally on the Lord Jesus Christ. He has revealed this plan through his Son, who is the Word become flesh. At Maroubra, we are part of the plans and purposes of God to make Christ known by praying and proclaiming his word. As the word is proclaimed, it is received and more and more branches are brought in. If you look on the Wild Street website, do it sometime, um, and look at the blurb about what we are all about, you'll see that it's about disciples making disciples through the word of God and prayer as we connect, as we grow, serve and go. We feed on God's word together that we might grow up into our head, which is the Lord Jesus. We proclaim Christ because we believe our neighbours, our friends and our family need to know Jesus, for it's only in him that we will have life and produce fruit for his kingdom. It is such good news that the world needs to hear. Are you a branch that is producing fruit for God's kingdom? Are you faithfully praying for those that don't know the Lord Jesus? God has placed each and every one of us in unique situations. It's no accident. Are you praying for your neighbours that God has placed you beside? Are you praying, praying for the unbelieving that you live with, work with, that govern us, persecute us, that they might know Christ? Are you ready to declare the reason for your hope that rests firmly in the vine, the true vine? Friends, Jesus is the true vine who produces the fruit of righteousness. It's the fruit that Israel and all of us failed to produce. Jesus, the true vine, in his sin-bearing death, now sends his spirit to enable branches, dead branches, to be grafted in to have a relationship with God and bear the good fruit. Whilst we let's be a people abiding in the vine through his word and prayer that the word can bear fruit for the kingdom that lasts and all that to the praise of his glorious name. Amen. We're going to pray now and Jen's going to come up. Good morning. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word to us today. Please would we at Wild Street be a people who abide in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Prayerful, listening to his word, reading it, reflecting on it, speaking it to one another in love. Please would his gospel be and remain the foundation of all that we do here. Thank you for the way we see your word bearing fruit among us as your disciples, growing in love for you and for one another and for the world. We know that this is your gracious work, 
and we ask that you regard us from self-reliance or hubris. Please would we take seriously the warning that anyone who does not abide in your son is thrown away like a branch and withers. Please would we bear much fruit and so prove to be disciples of the Lord Jesus. Please help us to feel his compassion for those who seek security and hope in the things of this world which are passing away. Please would we be faithful in prayer for the lost and in proclaiming the words of Jesus, which will never pass away. We pray in particular for the forthcoming life course. Please would many take up the opportunity to hear Jesus' words and understand his claims for themselves. Please would many turn from sin, the futility of trusting the promises of a dying and broken world, and instead find certain hope of eternal life as those who trust and follow and abide in him. Father, our hope and salvation is in your Son, the Lord Jesus, from start to finish. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Please help us to abide in him to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.